Oh, and I feel like I should apologize as a friend for not helping you do something that you're really wanting to do, and that's see the Joker. Yeah. It's, it's been a couple weeks now. Yeah. And you've been lamenting the fact that I you have haven't seen day. it. I, I cry to myself sleep at times, even. And that hurts me, <laughs> knowing that that <laughs> I... I haven't helped you or helped in trying to reduce that suffering. Do you, have you convinced your wife? You can't convince her to go see it with you? You know, it's easy for me to convince her to go if there's other people going. Her argument is very sound. It's hard to argue against it. She's like, if it's just going to be us, I'd rather wait for the movie to come out on DVD. We can go down to the basement. We can make all the food that we want, get all the drinks that we want, get underneath the blankets watch the movie from the comfort of our house, you know, take a bathroom break whenever I want. Don't have to worry about missing the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, when the movie's over, we can go right to bed. We don't have to like drive anywhere. And it's, it's a very true point. Have you read reviews? Have you been doing everything you could to scratch that itch to see the movie or? No, I just, I, everybody said it's been a great movie and I left it at that. All right. Well, it's probably going to be out of theaters in the next week or two. So. Yeah, at this point, if, if I don't see it this weekend, I'll probably just wait for the DVD. See, that makes me sad, because that's like seeing a little kid who said, I'm going to be a doctor someday, and then someone says something, and he feels like he can't do that, and then he goes, yeah, that's okay, I'll probably just, I won't be a doctor, I'm too stupid for that. And it's like, no, don't shooting for that. I don't think I'm too stupid for it, I think... But you're giving up on your dream. It'll just, it's not when it's not a dream. This is your dream. This is what your, your life has led up to this moment. (laughs) So that someday. The harder you laugh. Phoenix could make the Joker and then I could go watch that Joker. That's what my life's led to. The theoretical creation of this movie. Okay. Yeah. 30 years ago. I just think the harder you laugh, the more (laughs) it's just masking a a wailing. I don't think so. Today's episode. Oh, who, who, who are we? Okay, now you're jumping too too fast into this. <laughs> uh, all right, yes, Mister. Uh, I live by the rules, and we have to say certain things right away. Um, we are just jujitsu. This is our podcast. Thank you for listening. You are good night. Uh, now I am Andrew Desimoni, <laughs> and my host is Crayler. We are on episode forty. We're brought to you again by Paul Elliott. Yeah, uh, who, Paul Elliott who, Winery. Who did decide to sponsor us? He did. All. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should read that sponsorship agreement at the end of it because I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought it was really nice of him to reach out. Well, Paul just gave us some conditions. He, he sent us a Facebook message. He backed out of flying anyone to to see him in New York. But do, do you want to read the the bullet oh, the highlights of sure. that? So so his agreement was he's like okay, if I want to be the sponsor and then dot dot dot. I'm assuming he meant like these are my conditions. Condition A, no, I won't fly anybody out to you guys. Right. I wouldn't flick that on someone else as if it's a prize. They just end up with broken wrists and a scarred psyche. I really don't don't understand this point. No, um, I, I think I, they would end up maybe with broken wrists, but not the scarred psyche. Because while you would beat them down and just be cruel, they'd walk off the mat and I'd like put a warm blanket over their shoulders and have a cup of cocoa and I go, hey, it's okay. although they couldn't hold the cocoa with their broken wrists. So I would help them drink the cocoa uh, and they'd be like, it's okay, buddy. Yeah. 
the last one was I've heard how you treat other sponsors. I know this is just temporary at Andrew's whim. I'm going to need some kind of deathmatch early exit clause in there with Andrew's designated fighter. I think what he means is like if we were to end this sponsorship you know, on our end of things, mm-hmm. you'd have to fight him to the death. Okay, so a couple problems with that. Uh, one being, I would prefer to not... That, that's basically entering into a contract. It's like a blood oath with him I, where... I'm okay with that. Yeah, this is very low risk for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a low risk I mean, medium the, reward for me. Um, you know, I mean... I mean, high risk, medium reward. I mean, he's like older than you right so right. by the time you get your black belt you, did he say that but the black belt like waiting for me to get my black belt no no just That's, if if we end it early on our end you have to fight him to the death my point is is you know if you wait 10 years to get your black belt mm-hmm. you know you it might not be high risk it might be like medium risk right well in 10 years from now he'll be what like 84 <laughs> <laughs> something like that <laughs> uh so paul thank you for the thank you for kind of thank you for being open to being our sponsor uh, i'm hey i'm taking you up on this I, i'm considering you a sponsor from now in fact i'm gonna plug you in right now you know for those of you that don't know paul elliott he runs simple bjj uh, online uh, he teaches out of uh att water town yeah, I'm in northern uh, New York, and he's he's one of these students of the art. You know, he's a black belt. I've known him for four or five years now, but he travels all the time to learn. You know, he he he's a pretty good source of knowledge, especially because he didn't get his black belt and stop trying to get better. Mm-hmm. So he's still he's still looking. He's still thirsty for that knowledge. So anybody in the area should should go out and visit him. And you'll be seeing him shortly. Yeah, I'll be there November twenty third. Yeah, I'll be there 22nd through 24th, I think. All right. So, back to our very special episode of episode 40. I'm surprised we made it to 40 episodes. I thought we'd hit 20, and then... Run out. Well, I thought we'd hit 20, and then you would just let the fame go to your head, and you'd, like, buy a Corvette, (laughs) and you just, you drive it, like, hard and fast into, like, right off the edge of a cliff, and... that's me. That's just your style. Yeah, that's... Like a bright yellow Corvette. Yeah, I that's me. That's not me. Red leather jacket. No, that's definitely not me. <laughs> we made it to 40. I'm uh, not sure if we'll get to 50, but here's here's hoping. Uh, today's episode is going to be the start of a series. May not be every episode from here on out. It'll be kind of like BGJ Giants. We do one every once in a while. Yes, and it will be on passing. Guard passing. Guard passing. Not just passing. I don't know what that means, but guard passing. <laughs> well, I was thinking we could do some guard passing. We could do passing in soccer, passing in basketball, football. I'm only, I'm only good at one of those. Well, it's okay because I have I have a couple. Uh, I have a football player, a basketball player that are going to be coming in oh, here. Okay, guest speakers. Got it. Guest speakers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I want to hear you ask them questions because that. Would... I I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. If we're going to start this episode off, this will be our intro to guard passing 101. It's like a college course. I'm going to pretend that I'm walking into a my first college class, and you're the professor standing up at the top or uh, at the front of the classroom. And I walk in. I have my laptop. I have my, my books. Someone knocked my books down in the hallway, so I'm a little shaken up. So I walk in the class. You're like, hey, what's wrong? I'm like, no, it's okay. I, 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 I sit down. Don't worry. Are you going to plug your headphones in and like fall asleep, too? 
No, wow. Are you saying this right now, or is the professor you saying this? As a professor. God, you really come in hard at these new students. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No, I'm here to. I'm here to learn. So I sit down. You start. You have glasses on. Your hair's in a bun. You have like a. You have a, kind of a <laughs> tight skirt and like a, a class and like a classy, uh, uh, sh- uh, like tight suit coat. <laughs> um, heels, or are you more of a flats kind of guy? I'm moving past this. <laughs> All right, so so we're sitting here and we're gonna go through just a very broad view of guard passing. When you first start teaching guard passing to students, where do you start? What's the first thing you have to establish? Um, well, what guard are we passing, right? And and I think not to dive headfirst into something that's a little bit more conceptual, but the the you know. You ever play the game where like, or you know, where you this square peg on a round hole, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it doesn't fit, can't make it work. You know, you would think people would learn that at a very early age. You know, I just saw, I just actually rewatched a video, it's about two years old now, where the guy's trying to put a suitcase in the, in the airplane. Have you seen that? And he just- I don't think so. You haven't seen that? I'll have to find it. But basically he's trying to put his luggage on the overhead compartment and he's trying to put this bag long ways and it's not fitting and he is just trying and trying and and man he is trying his hardest and for about 40 45 seconds and then the stewardess comes up and turns his bag and he just slides it in you know Mm -hmm. so i I won't assume that everybody that i teach or everybody that's listening or, or you know just people in general have ever passed the square peg round hole game growing up um and the reason why I bring that up is because how you would go about passing, let's say, close guard versus um, half guard is completely different. Or let's say lasso versus X guard versus single leg X versus, you know, any guards. I mean, there's, there's you know, several dozen guards out there. Um, and, and how you pass each guard has to be different. You know, how you approach it has to be different, technically speaking, because every guard will have different properties. You know, the, the properties of closed guard are ultimately different than the properties of, let's say, 50 50. Mm. Therefore, how we go about passing is also going to be different, has to be different. Right. It's like having to, uh, if I said, like, hey, I need directions. Well, like, for, from for where? <laughs> from well, where? Where are you coming from and where are you going? I can't be bothered with details, man. Just give me directions. Yeah, see, that doesn't work. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I've, I've tried to use Google Maps that way, but it, I've had very little success. It becomes just a map, right? Right. <laughs> There's no directions. That's why I'm, I'm horribly late to every event. Yeah, I know. It's a problem. So if there, I mean, there are, it feels like infinite places to start when you are talking with people who are just starting out do you start at a certain place do you just start with concepts first i mean it depends right if i'm doing a seminar it's usually let's say i'm doing a seminar on guard passing it's usually going to be focused on a specific guard passing like a specific guard that we're trying to pass if i'm doing a private class um i will usually start with concepts because they'll be they'll be able to take what they learn in that class and try to apply it or at least see it see the application of it in different guards later without me you know um, if I'm teaching a class at my school then I will go to a specific starting point with a specific end point in mind and I will teach how to go from A to B when you're doing a seminar and someone says hey can you do some like guard passing do people usually have 
do they want you to start from the same spot? Is there a common no, origin? Everybody's different. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think the the older um, students tend to favor the the more um, traditional guards half butterfly closed etc the the younger tend to focus more on like you know inverted guard tornado deep half shin on shin 50 50 and so on and, and for the guard pass I, if we really want to get like step back guard pass can be from when i first started i, I whenever i thought of guard pass for some reason i just thought of you're trying to get out of closed guard um, right. that's, and maybe that's because when I started out, the first guard pass that I learned was from close guard. guard. Right. Uh, I'm guessing it's because it's, it's the most basic guard that everyone's going to be in yes. at some point. Absolutely. And it's, it also happened to coincide with the guard pass that we were working on at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. So like if you got your blue belt, let's say in three months, where we'll be finishing up in our we'll be finishing up our half guard bottom half guard you know series we'll start our half guard passing so if you got your blue belt you know in three or six months or whenever we finish that you may be coming in to half guard passing and that would be you would think the same thing right for blue belt but even white belt the, yes. the passes yes, that we learn closed close guard is the easiest to do it's right. the, it's the easiest everybody learns that they can wrap their legs around somebody's body I mean, that's natural and everyone knows the way to pass guard is just to use muscle, muscle and smash through right absolutely 100% that's that's it that's not it no that's not it so there's more damn it there's more to it yeah so so conceptually speaking um, when we talk about just general guard passing things that we need to be mindful of. Everybody here is posture, right? Keep a good posture. That used to really annoy me when I started off. Yeah. Because people don't know what it is. I know. Hey, posture up. Thank you. I'm trying, but this person (laughs) keeps pulling me down. (laughs) Right. But you know, once, once we did show you what a good posture was, then things change. Yeah. Right. So posture is the easiest way for somebody to describe what they're trying to get across to you, right? Just good posture. Everybody knows what good posture is, but that doesn't exactly translate. You know, it's like never seen a trident in your life before and somebody shows you a trident and you're like, yeah, you know, the big old fork thing. A fork and a trident are not the same thing. I hadn't seen one until I went to your house and you you sit and watch TV with the big trident next yep, to you. Yep, and then a claymore on the other hand. That's right. All the time. You're always prepared for a goblin attack. That's, that's right. Um, no, so, uh, you know, good posture, generally speaking, means creating, putting yourself in a position that neutralizes your opponent's ability to do you harm. That is the truly technical way to describe that you know posture in half guard versus posture in close guard versus posture in spider guard are all going to be different because of the different properties of those guards but they will all ultimately accomplish the same thing which will be good balance which be neutralization of attacks your opponent won't be able to attack you as easily or at least very heavily limit or hinder attacks. It'll also limit the ability to be swept because of your good balance. Um, when, you s- when you say good posture, is this common denominator for all the different positions you can be in, but still using good posture? Is it 
Are you just keeping a straight spine? Is that what you mean? No, 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 not at all. Right. Not at all. Um, posture, think of posture as, I think it's a very poorly labeled concept. Like, because most of us think posture, like straight back, elbows yeah, back or uh, shoulders back. Yeah. But that's not how you'd pass, you know, certain guards. I think, um, I think a better term for it may be, you know, uh, instead of good posture to learn to neutralize a guard, you know, make it so that they cannot do you harm essentially. And, and that's very tough to do. You know, you get a guy who's got a good close guard or a good, good butterfly, good half guard, I mean, good any guard, you know, they're tough to deal with. You know, you, you get a guy like Meow who does inverted guards all the time. I mean, that's tough to deal with, man. It, it'll be very, very tough. And, and how you would quote unquote posture against a guard like that is going to be far different than if you go against a guy like Shanji Hibero, who's a big close guard guy. Those are going to be com- two completely different approaches to neutralizing their guards. So posture is a way to position yourself in a guard, regardless of what the guard is, in such a way that you heavily neutralize their attacks, you heavily neutralize their movement, you create good balance, and you allow yourself to be in a position to advance, right? So you can tie yourself up to your opponent where they can't move, but if you do that, you're also tied up with them and you can't move either. So good posture would be a a way to neutralize them, but still retain your ability to move in advance. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around the good posture because it's, it's more of a, it sounds like it's a kind of open concept that changes. Absolutely. It's like a state of, yes, of being where it's not just straight back. And so, when I'm thinking posture, I think if you're in someone's close guard and they pull you forward and you break down. Sure. And then they're like, hey, good posture. So you back straight, kind of hips right. up a little. And well, and that's because it's, like I said, it's the easiest way for a, a person to try to convey that message to you, right? But but think mm-hmm. of it in, form, in forms of takedown, right? How you shoot, a, how your, your body is positioned for a double leg takedown, right? Your spine is up strong, good strong head position, good strong neck, shoulders forward, big chest, you know, versus let's say a, like an Osotogari where it's a judo south throw where you heavily lean to one side and you chop the leg, right? Osotogari, you're creating good posture by leaning forward because Osotogari is an even takedown, meaning how you set it up to do it to them, they can turn around and do it to you. So your posture is weak because you're hunched forward, but that prevents you from being counter osotogari where in wrestling, if you had the same forward hunch, you would never be able to do a double leg because you don't have those strong shoulders. But it doesn't mean, so, so those two are good postures, but they don't translate to different positions. There are different uh, features to them. Because it's a different takedown, it's got right. different properties, right? So much like passing, different guards will have different properties. Your posture will have to adjust for that as well. Okay. Posture is a big part. Also, uh, would you say a connection or grips are, is Absolutely. a huge part of the passing? That's that's the other thing that always comes to mind. Right, because that comes down to neutralization and establishing control over certain body parts so that you can advance, right? So if you think of posture as a way to neutralize the opponent, meaning that they can't do you harm or they can't advance or they can't move as well or you, you basically restrict their ability to do damage to you, how do you then 
move forward because as soon as you start to move, that posture is not going to remain true, right? So then you need to establish grips so that you can control them during that moment where you relinquish a little bit of your good posture. And grips, when you're passing, you're going to be utilizing legs, hips, collars, arms. Anything. Everything. Can you, as a person, if, if you're starting and you're like, man, I have weak grips. I, I can't really do much with, with, with these tiny little baby claws I have. <laughs> you don't like yes. that term for my hands? Tiny little baby claws? No, I, I don't like that term. That's, <laughs> That's what I say when I, when, I, when I hang out with a girl. I go, want to hold my tiny little baby claws? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> oh, I've been single for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like grips as a new person I, what do you do when you just have these grips that keep getting ripped off and, and you also you don't even know where to grab because there's so many different areas well, and, and that comes down to that right so you know once you realize what guard you're in and you realize what you need to do to neutralize your the opponent and you realize what you need to do to advance then that'll de- that'll determine which grips you need to achieve so as far as the whole grips keep keep getting broken and you know my hands are small or they're not strong enough or whatever that is all very true i mean it can come down to where you you just don't have sufficient grip power right you don't you don't use your hands you don't grip a lot of things you don't pick things up you know you may play video games hands are weak sure but that'll build over time right you can obviously work it out to build that strength um, that is a common trait in, in, in any form of grappling is, is a good, good, strong grip. It's very, very important. Um, but the, the other thing is like not knowing where to grip that too comes with time and practice, because as you get better, you'll be able to identify your targets and what you need to hold on to and how you need to hold on to that. And as far as getting your grips broken, that is, that is a like gigantic talking point in the Jiu-Jitsu community is if if I break your grips in order to try to pass, isn't then your your next move to then break my grips so that you can reestablish your grips and then I break your grips and reestablish mine and we play this game forever. Mm-hmm. Right? So the the idea then becomes not so much to flat out stop people from breaking your grips, although it is very, very helpful. Um, it also comes down to learning to recycle a grip, meaning the grips I use to break your grip. I should be able to use those grips in order to achieve my next grip. Their way, that way it's not a zero-sum game. So you, you know. You're not breaking the grip, resetting, getting a new grip. You right. can just break it and then move right to I should be step. able to break it and then use that grip I used that I used to break your grip to advance to my next hand position and placement otherwise it's a zero-sum game i break your grip you break my grip and we play that game forever nobody advances or see episode 39 and then you just go for a wrist lock and you and you break a wrist well that's another way right that that's 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 how i would do it's another it. way another to point. end that circle yeah yeah rude <laughs> grip grips also allow you to i like to think of like steering you, you direct the person's uh momentum uh, yesterday at the gym i was i was kind of just messing around and I was rolling with someone and I literally I was standing up trying to pass their guard their open guard and I I don't I don't think you saw this because I feel like I would have gotten a comment I just started running in circles holding their legs and they started laughing and then I just I just stopped and threw it one way 
went the other. That's a very, the very, it's a, it's a very um, uh, common f- form of passing. Yeah, and I did it like so blatant and like comically that I I did it again, like thinking, "Oh, this is funny," and it worked like three times in a row. That 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 is an approach to passing open guard. That is a real approach. Yeah, and and it just it kind of hit home of you you just well there are two aspects there's the grips and then also just controlling the legs which i think we'll hop to next when when passing the guard yeah so you know it wasn't so much that you steer them a certain way um it's more that you control them and as they try to keep up with the threat of you passing the quick misdirection they couldn't account for that in time that that's that's called movement passing and the probably the pioneer for that was um day back in like the early 90s he he would pass people's guards by switching left and right not by being faster than although he did look faster than the guys he was going against but because every time that they would finally get close to catching up with him he just completely changed directions and people couldn't return in time because he knew when he was going to change directions but they didn't and it was simply just a changing of momentum, like juking back and forth. It, it was it was a lot of hip drops, hip switches, you know, changing directions, like running to one side and then hopping to the other and things like that. Um, you know, and then that became very popular. And you see it in guys like Hoffa Mendes and, and Guy Mendes, um, you know, um, not Guy, sorry, Key Mendes. Um, you know, you, you see it in the meows when they're trying to pass in ADCC this year. They did a lot of um, hip switching, hip dropping. So it became very popular because it confuses the mind. So if you can control their legs long enough so that it's it's a struggle for them to keep up with you, and then you just suddenly and randomly change direction, they're going to overshoot. It's like when a little kid is pushing on you and you don't move, and all of a sudden, not only do you move out of the way, but you yank them. Like they will overcompensate and it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think a lot of us have experience with doing that, but you, I, I mean, I, I plead the fifth. <laughs> you didn't. That's the problem. You, you described how to do it and you <laughs> smiled lovingly while saying that. <laughs> I would never do that. Uh, uh, there's a reason that they don't let you do a kid class anymore. <laughs> uh, I mentioned another big part of the passing is person's yeah, legs. That's really the biggest thing. Yeah. And it's something that I think someone who doesn't know a lot about jujitsu, it seems like a a weird thing to be the main point of passing someone's guard. Because I've had people who will watch jujitsu or even a UFC fight where a fighter is on their back with their legs up and the person's trying to pass their guard on their feet. And they're, the person, the, the uneducated person watching is just going, why, why, does, why doesn't he just like... Why is he letting that guy's feet keep him away? Like it, that's something that like a kid would do to keep you away. Just why doesn't he just pass him? Like, well, that's the whole goal. That's it, the whole game. <laughs> that that's what he's trying to do. Right. Why doesn't he just do it? Just jump over him. It's not that it's not easy. That easy, man. right? Yeah. Yeah, jujitsu teaches you to be leg centric. You know, um, it's tough, man. Like that's the whole game. You know, I think the the to me like the biggest iconic difference between let's say uh, Japanese Jiu-Jitsu or Judo and then like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is the the um, leg centrism you know where we're, we're very heavily focused on using our legs to defend to attack to control to 
to create loss of control and and all the guards that come with it right the whole point of jiu-jitsu is to be able to fight off your back well we've become so good at it that clearing the legs have become a, a ginormous issue yeah and we've all been with that person who feels like they're a fucking octopus from the waist down yeah because everywhere you move you're like okay <laughs> cleared it and then you feel like a, something like right slide back. in between yeah. you're like no like at one point I feel like there have been times <laughs> where I'm holding like two ankles and I start to pass and then another one pops in I'm like alright th- this doesn't make sense anymore <laughs> Right. What, you know, what do you do with those people who are just so like dexterous with their legs? The the man, that's that's tough. You Besides know? break them. So like, um, I'll be honest. Anybody listening that doesn't believe me, like, like you don't know what you're talking about. Um, to me, like Paulo Meow, like passing Paulo Meow's guard, especially in nogi, which is not his specialty, is damn near impossible. In fact, I don't know that I could think of anybody right now that a nogi could pass his guard. What's What does he do that's so, so effective? He's incredibly flexible. Um, along with his flexibility, he's incredibly dexterous. So he can move his legs in ways that most people can't or it's not common. Um, he's very good. You know, he's not only a guy who just retains guard, but his guard is very threatening. So it's not like, oh, I'm just clearing his leg and then his leg comes back in. No, it's like his leg is coming back in and I'm in trouble, you know, in all these positions. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, some guys, the, the, the legs not only are something to like keep you away, but they'll like start to, it's almost like they're a chimp where they'll like utilize their toes right. and you'll feel like a hook from like just a single toe that's like pulling you back. You're like, no, 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 no. How, right. how are you doing this with your pinky toe? Right. And then, and then it becomes a danger and now they're trapping this and trapping that and locking this. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody could, could pass his guard. You know, and, and which is why the reason why a lot of people drop the leg locks on them is because they, they literally, in nogi, they, they can't pass it. Then it becomes an issue because they, they you can just about break their legs and they won't tap. So, you know, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know anybody that could pass their guard nogi. Now, you mentioned something that, that I want to ask about is people who can't pass guard. Mm-hmm. You said they'll just drop to for a leg lock on those guys. Yep. Are leg locks used as a crutch a lot of times when someone can't pass? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. I think before, for a long time, people became very good at guard passing because it was shameful to not be able to pass and to drop for leg lock. But now the leg locks are becoming not only more acceptable, but they're the current fad. People will lean on dropping to leg locks versus learning to, to pass the guard because they don't necessarily see the point. Why should I struggle to pass when I can just potentially get a submission? And has that changed the game of like, let's say the, the meow where he, he had this incredible, has this incredible no, guard. You can't, can't break his leg. Him in particular, you cannot break his leg. I mean, it's, it's, I've seen some, I've, I've seen his foot and his legs bend weird ways. The, the rumors are he lets them break and he doesn't care, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, no, he, I mean, in the best leg lockers have tried to like tap him in leg locks and they, they haven't been able to. You know, guys like Gary Tonin, you know, um, Danny, uh, not Danny, I'm sorry, um, Nikki Ryan and a couple others. I mean, they've, they've, they just can't do it. His, their legs are just gumby like that. Um, in the gi, that changes a little bit because in the gi, 
like when you mentioned the grips to controlling the legs and stuff um, in the gi you can apply the concept of stapling where you strengthen yourself by gripping a certain way and not only do you become stronger you also create a pinning point and then then you can pass their guard and in fact i think their guard has been passed um, in the gi a couple times in the last decade now you perfectly mentioned something that we can transition to pinning or controlling yeah um would you consider pinning controlling the leg or the hips pinning is um to me i like i call it stapling stapling yeah yeah when you when you attach a body part to the mat where not only they can't move away from the mat but they can't move in in the y or x axis in the you know in relation to the floor so they're, they're not lifting on the z plane and they're not moving in the y or x plane are you stapling no gi also absolutely okay although it is much harder to pull off since you don't have the gi the gi is usually a very very good tool for stapling but you can do the same in no gi stapling no gi is that then just you having to put pressure on the actual let's say like leg itself to well you learn to wedge wedge and to shift pressure shift weight so instead of putting the weight on both of your feet you might put the weight on one shin as that shin is wedging and pinning a limb to the mat okay and with stapling, is it as simple as just grab something, push it down, and then no? So, pass? so you know, the idea with stapling is to push the cloth, right? So, um, think of it like when you're in bed and you have the comforters on, and if somebody gets on top of of you on top of the comforters and they just hold the comforters down, you can't move, right? And it's not that they're stronger than you; you just can't because the the blanket itself becomes a means to control you it's a really weird analogy but it explains it well it works doesn't it, it? does <laughs> i feel like i've been in that situation before no well, no no i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> um but stapling works by by pushing the cloth and if you push the cloth a certain way then that becomes a blanket on somebody's leg or arm or shoulder you know and you can control them their hips etc controlling the legs to controlling the hips that's, that's that's a big that's almost impossible to do why is that to control someone's hips yeah oh yeah hips are hips are incredibly tough i'm not talking about like a lame you know joe schmuck down the road i'm talking about somebody who's trained stopping a hundred percent nullifying hip mobility is almost impossible to do so is that is Stop controlling the legs is that kind of the uh, consolation prize like I can't control your hips so I'll well no no I mean you should try to control the hips I'm just saying that to it's very rare that you can 100% stop all hip mobility what it comes down to is stapling legs or controlling the hip or stapling hip in a certain way to limit mobility and then you can take advantage with your passing you know, your passing should take advantage of that limitation. So if I pin your legs a certain way to where your hip can't come into me, then now I can go around your hip and not worry about you closing the distance, right? So I take advantage of that limitation, but very, very rarely will you see 100% hip, you know, control. It's, it's, it's too tough. Okay. Those are some of the mechanics. I also wanted to touch on directions, right? passing for me my style i enjoy trying to get around the guard go around it you're you're a movement passer for sure yeah what do you mean when you say movement passer you're taking you're controlling the hip and controlling limb movement 
yeah, so you're controlling the opponent's hip mobility and the opponent's hip uh, leg movement and arm movement. Basically, you control the opponent's movement through um, better angling because of your movement. So kind of like today, like when I said earlier, like he was quick on the hip switches and hip drops and the changing of directions. That is something that I think you do um, and you do well and people can't keep up or they get confused or they just lag behind just enough for you to clear their legs. Okay. That's my style. But there's also the style of kind of just going right through the center. Right. That... At first, I thought brute force, but it's not necessarily that because you can kind of just slice your way. So, like, on one extreme, you have movement passing. Mm-hmm. On the other extreme, you have smash passing. That's where somebody uses their weight and they try to just essentially crush somebody's limbs and, and, and walk through them. So, you're going instead of around the legs, you're just going right through. Yeah. So, like, think of like. Um, Think of, you know, like, let's say um, where you you may try to change directions on somebody. Somebody who's smash passing is going to look to just maybe hug your legs really tight and then throw all their weight on it. So then you cannot move your legs and then they can inchworm their way up. So a smash pass isn't necessarily going through the center. It, it's just... It could. It could be, but it doesn't It's not have just to be. that. Right. Okay. It's it, it becomes, if you think of one as movement... Think of the other as pressure based. Do you get small guys who are smash passers? Absolutely. Yeah. Hoyler is a smash passer. And he. He knee slides. Knee slides a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's very tough to stop him. People couldn't for decades. What are you? What's your Me? favorite type of passing? Between bet- between smash, if, if you're going smash or. I, I fall somewhere in the center. Yeah. Um, in it that I like to create movement. I move very well, um, according to you, only when I'm in the mats. Well, but <laughs> I, I did have the one caveat, and that's on a dance floor. He's a fantastic dancer. I'm He's, not, I'm he not is full fan. of grace. I'm not. I'm not. Um, All right. Well, we, if you if you ever invite him to a wedding, just wait. Oh man! If the song "Holler Back Girl" by Gwen Stefani oh comes on, he, he loses his mind. No. So so if I'm you know. I like to create movement. Um, I like to create a lot of movement. Uh, I like people to try to chase and keep up. Um, but I'm very um, judicial with how I do it. So I like to control, create a lot of control and, and force the opponent to have to move a certain way. And then as soon as they're moving that certain way, because it's the only way that they can do, I tend to outangle them with my own movement. And then as soon as I achieve a desirable enough position, then I go back to control. So I, I, I become a blend of, I switch very fast between being a pressure passer and a movement passer just to create, you know, unpredictability. Not to sound like I'm, you know. Have you always been that way? Um, I feel like as a kid, I could see you being just a smash passer trying to like... I tried. Out of people. I tried to be a smash passer. I really did. I, I, I'm not strong enough to be a true like smash passer. I've never been that way. I've always tried to be faster, more explosive on my passes. And turns out that I was never really good at that either. Okay. So what I've done is I've created a blend for myself. I've created a blend in tempo. So how fast and how slow I move versus how 
much pressure versus how much speed I'm creating versus angling, you know? So, and I like to switch it up and keep it different. Um, I was rolling yesterday at the gym and, um, I rolled with a guy at the our school that has a really good guard and I passed his guard like four or five different ways. Congratulations. No, I'm not, it wasn't sound yeah, bragging. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. No, it was just more to like, you know, to, cause for me, I like that unpredictability. I, I'm not going to be the guy who always passes the same way. Sure. Cause I, I, cause I, cause I'm not. Who's the, if you did, if someone was trying to think of like, okay, what's the best smash pass or what smash passing? I think I kind of get it. Who's the, who highlight reel? Would you say, look this person up to see smash passing at, at its best? Right now, um, one that's easy to find that there's a lot of footage, um, like Orlando Sanchez. I don't think he's the best guard passer by any stretch of the imagination. And it's no knock on him, but there's, you know, thousands of great guard passers. And, and at the highest level, kind of where Orlando's at, there might be, you know, 50, 60 people that might be better than him. So that's still pretty impressive rank, but Orlando, there's just a ton of footage on him because he's a character and you can find him. Um, but he's a very, very good smash passer. And he, he, I think he passed just about everybody's guard at ADCC this year. Um, other guys that are good pressure passing, you know, Shanja Hibeiru, um, you look at guys like, uh, Lucas Lepre, a very, very good smash passer, even though he doesn't look like, look like he's smashing. He very, very much smash. And I think to me, Lucas Lepre is the most underrated smash passer in the game. Like it, he doesn't look like he's smashing you, but these guys can't move. When you say he doesn't look like smashing, is that because it's is there like so much finesse that it doesn't look like to me? Blunt or? To me, Lucas Lepre is one of the most underrated guys in jiu-jitsu. I think he's got competition level game. I think he's got one of the the cleanest techniques in competition level matches okay. out of anybody. Um, but he's very good at smashing and, and he gets good pins and good staples and good movement. And he hinders so much movement that the guys in the bottom can't move and he just passes. Hmm. All right. And then if they want to see a movement passer, who should they highlight? Really? Well, Tate is very, very easy to find footage of him. He was how, do, how do you spell that? Uh, T-E-R-E-R-E. Um, he was uh, probably the, the pioneer in movement passing and probably one of the best examples of movement passing. But other guys that are very, very good at movement passing, Hoffa Mendes and Guy Mendes. Um, the other one that comes to mind a lot when we're talking about movement passing, like Keenan is good at movement passing, a lot of change directions. Um Man, there's another one that came to mind. It slips my mind now. Um, it'll it'll hit me before the end of the episode. But there's another one that's worth watching too. Okay, let's stop there for our intro class to passing. We will pick this up and do more episodes on just different different parts of passing, different styles. Class is done for right now, um, so I can get up, walk out of the class, and walk back into the hallway, hopefully not get bullied as much. Definitely not as much, because you bullied me as soon as I walked into the classroom. I mean, it sounded like you were late picking up your shit in the hallway. I never said I was late. No, okay, but if like I was that. late, because someone knocked my books out of my hand, should I still be punished for that? You're late. <laughs> Man, you're such a hard ass. <laughs> <laughs> right, what if I said, listen, I was 10 minutes early, and then when I was walking here, there was a guy with a gun, and he had three people held up, I took him down, and there was a 10-minute struggle to seize the gun from him. 
or see, take the gun, and I just came here. And that's why that's that's why I have this uh this bullet wound in my side. Well, I, I'm I would, two minutes late though. I would commend you for making it to class with Thank the you. bullet wound in your I side. Appreciate that. However, I would not appreciate the fact that it took you ten minutes to disarm somebody and you got <laughs> shot in the process. So that takes away most of your credit. I'm sorry, me saving lives <laughs> took a little longer than the time you allotted. Well, it wasn't so much the time that I allotted as like the inefficiency of a ten minute struggle. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those like movie things where I knocked the gun out of his hand and it fell down. John and we Wick both fight like, scenes aren't 10 minutes long. I'm sorry. I'm not John Wick. Man, you have high standards. I'm glad you're not, not my teacher. Oh, shit. I, Wait, I have are. very high standards. That's part of the problem. <laughs> All right. Let's do a listener email. Leandro Lowe. That's the other guard passer. That's great movement passer. Oh, okay. So Leander Lowe is not a very good smash passer, and any time that he's forced to smash pass, he fails. However, any time that he can create movement, it's almost impossible to stop him, especially pre-Jesus Leandro Lowe. Pre-Jesus, you said? Yeah, like circa 2012. What's pre-Jesus? Just look up Leandro Lowe 2012 and then Leandro Lowe now, and you'll see the difference Jesus made in his life. Okay. All right. Did, Did he look like Jesus? That's just all right. Just look it up. Or he just got super religious and he's like, I, I, I just can't do this anymore. No, he's still competing. All right, we're gonna listen. We're gonna open the listener mailbag. Bop bop ba da bop. Listener mailbag. You send us a letter and we open it. Wait, on where, where did they send it to? Send it to PO Box one five seven eight three two one seven eight six five four five S two one. I like how you kept that with a straight face. Now, how'd they really get it to us? <laughs> uh, they can send it to just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. That's just jujitsu podcast at gmail.com. All right. Could I do like ads? Do you like, do you like my ad voice? No. No? <laughs> wow. I, I thought I nailed that. You're better with the jingles, I think. Okay. All right. I mean, unless the ad is a jingle, but whatever. If you have a question, just send it to our email address. We'll do the rest. Da, da, da. That was better. Better? Okay. All right. This one is from Jason. I see you nodding in my peripheral. (laughs) (laughs) He says, uh, okay, first of all, he said horoscopes, Disney princesses, and some jujitsu talk. What more can you ask for? So he's a guy with good taste. Um, (laughs) He he mentions that anyway, in our earlier podcasts, you talked about creating the ultimate white belt. He said you mentioned that you would... Give them a devastating closed guard, then half guard, then butterfly guard. Now, as a white belt, he mentions, should he even bother with all the other guards? Can you tell us more about creating the ultimate white belt? Ooh. Um, you know, I don't know how Jason is getting his knowledge, right? So, you know, ultimately, you got to trust your coach whoever your coach is. And if you don't trust your coach for any particular reason, then you need to find a different school. I'm assuming when he asks, like, should they, should he bother with any other guard? Um, I'm assuming he implies like seeking extraneous knowledge. Sure. You know, not like telling his teacher to fuck off and <laughs> I'm not going to learn this because it's not, not what I should be working on. Guys, today we're doing Axe Guard. Next. What, excuse me? Not doing it, coach. Yeah. I heard that's not the one I'm supposed to be focusing on. No. Listen to a podcast and they said not to do that one. <laughs> right. Um, so if we're talking about extraneous knowledge, then then yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't focus on anything else. Um, because 
you know, ultimately to me, those three guards are very fundamental guards. They're fundamental level guards. So those are the guards that every other guard is built off of and developed, you know, to um, the guard passing that they may try to do to deal with those three guards are going to be the guard passing that sets you up for the more advanced guards. So if they're not set up to pass those fundamental guards, you may be trying to imply, you know, trying to um, do a guard that's not properly set up yet. So, no, I, I wouldn't focus on, on anything different. I would, I would make sure that you get to a point, and, and I, I got to this point where, um, let's say you, you pick a guard, let's say close guard, just because of the email, that your close guard is so good that you're tapping people one, two, you know, hopefully even three levels above your current belt rank. If you can do that, then that becomes a, a gigantic safe haven for you, knowing that if I put somebody in my close guard, they're going to die here. Like, that's a good feeling to have. And then you can build on to the next guard, whether it's butterfly or half. And if you do the same thing there, right, then you then your base starts becoming very, very broad to where you have the safe haven that if somebody falls in one of these three places, it's game over. And generally speaking, those three guards will cover vast majority of people's attempts of getting around your leg getting around your legs what about when creating the perfect white belt we talk techniques what about attitude what are the what do you see in white belts when you see a new person you think oh this person has this they're gonna do well what are things that you look for well it's what i look for in any good student you know um and and most people will have some of these attributes to me, the perfect student would have all of them, right? It'd be the the being eager to learn, being excited about learning, not excited to learn to prove a point that they know more, but excited to learn for the sake of learning, you know, looking, being coachable. Being coachable is very tough. You know, you can, they could be eager and they could want to learn for the sake of learning, but when faced with diversity, not being coachable is an issue. You know, uh, being disciplined, sticking to the technique even though you may not understand how it fits in the big picture just yet um trusting that the technique that you've drilled practiced learned will work and and accepting when it doesn't as a form of progress um basically having an attitude that allows those that know more than you to help you having the drive to continue to get better even in, 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 you know, the face of adversity and wanting to get better for the sake of just knowing more and not for the sake of being like beating your teammates. Cause that's, that's never gets far. And high cheekbones. That's another trait that you always like in students. You always tell people or you'll compliment. Oh, I like your cheekbones. And that's something that's just, I different. don't, I don't ever recall ever <laughs> saying that just okay. no. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's close the listener mailbox with Jason. Ba-ba-bum, closing the listener mailbox. See you next week. Ba-ba-bum. All right, well, we're just about done here. Before we leave, we're going to go to one of our old favorite segments. We're going to check in with, and I apologize for a sponsor that we've had since the beginning that I forgot, forgot about. That's Cafe Astrology. Cafeastrology.com. Oh they literally have never done anything for us. What? <laughs> This show would not happen without them guiding us. I, I, clearly. Every every show before we start, we both read our horoscopes, and we and this tells us how we should proceed. I don't follow that. 
Okay. It's a big talk right now. You're a mess <laughs> if we don't read it. All right. So for today, we're just going to read Croiler's Aries Daily Horoscope with Venus in your adventure sector. <laughs> I don't know what this means. <laughs> Do you ever know what no. it means? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure this is English, but it's like this is Google translating something from Spanish to German to Japanese to English. That's probably exactly what that is. <laughs> All right. With Venus in your adventure sector, clashing with Pluto in your performance spec- sector this morning, dear Aries, you can be torn between learning and doing. Even so, good energies are with you for strategy, hard work, and important discoveries. Finding a balance is within reach. While there have been, and will be more, distractions in your life, it's an overall excellent time for determination in your career or clarity regarding your life direction. You're taking the lead. You may be looking carefully at the things that need to go for you to become more efficient. Even so, your spirit for adventure is high right now. Dear Aries, and a nice work-life balance is entirely possible. The moon spends the day in your solar 12th house. In fact, you're not inclined to ignore your needs for repos. You're in good shape for research and investigation. You might enjoy a sense of renewal as you acknowledge feelings you've been avoiding or understand yourself just a little bit better. Damn, that was, like, you read that with such gusto. Yeah. It's so inspiring. It was almost like I was hearing, like, Martha Luther King, you know, that's what I was trying I to channel. Yeah. I felt like I was like Winston Churchill as I was like getting through that and I was building momentum and I'm glad that that, that, that passed through. Yeah. Do you want me to do this more often for you? No. It wasn't that <laughs> motivating? No. It was impressive. Don't get me wrong. Oh, thank you. I mean, you didn't stumble once like Paul and the Grappling Dads. That's true. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, let's give Grappling Dads a shout out also. I mean, I did just now. That's true. That was a I, shout out. I, I called him a nincompoop on the podcast, so. Okay. Yeah, Grappling Dads podcast. Check it out. Paul and Kip. Maybe. Maybe. It's uh, your board. Yeah. First, check out Cafe Astrology, then Paul and Kip. Yeah. All right, guys. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>